Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Our scripture reading today comes from the second chapter of Acts, and I'll be reading just the first 13 verses. But as we come to this passage, let me invite us first to pray together. Gracious God, because you are God, it is your word and your word alone that is life for us. Because you are gracious, we come with expectation and eager hope that you would speak to us anew even now. We are here, O God. We are listening. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Listen now from Acts, the second chapter, beginning with the first verse. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now, there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem, and at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs? In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. So this may surprise you, but I actually have a love-hate relationship with Pentecost uh, is no disrespect to the day or the text, but Pentecost was so dramatic. Uh, the Spirit comes so fervently that you could hear her, and these timid disciples all of a sudden are empowered to go out in the streets and preach in foreign tongues with no assistance from Rosetta Stone. There were tongues of fire dancing on their heads, which seems like a complete unnecessary risk to me. It's not something we would want now, unless you're needing a little burned off because there's no haircut at home and you're perilously close to sporting that dew in your high school yearbook. If we read a little further, it says, Peter preached a sermon, 
and 3,000 people joined the church in one day. Really? 3,000 people in one day? I don't even think Roger Nishioka has a sermon that would have 3,000 people join the church in one day. If he does, I, I, want, I want to hear it. No, Pentecost can make us feel a bit inadequate. At the same time, I crave this story because, because this story lifts up a life-changing basic truth, and it's this. No one does it alone. No one does it alone. You see, this day begins, this day begins with the disciples locked inside in fear, and outside there are Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia. But by the end of the day, these strangers, they see and greet one another as brothers and sisters. You see, Pentecost reveals that God sees us as family and wants us to see each other that way as well. It's really that basic, and it's also that complicated. And we're living that complexity right now. Right now, of the total number of global cases reported of COVID-19 and the total number of global deaths, fully 30% of each are right here in the United States. And so the CDC recommends that citizens, when we go out in public, we wear a mask. It provides a, some help for, for ourselves and even more so for our neighbor. But some uh, not only refuse to wear a mask, they're by principle opposed to it. The Star reported that some say they're not going to wear a mask because it's really not that big a deal, that the, the media has hyped this. This is fake news. You know, our communal life is increasingly threatened by those who assume they have the privilege to create their own facts. They believe that they can just intuit expertise about anything. It's dangerous. Also, also others say they're not going to wear a mask because it's an infringement on their freedom. They say in this country, no CDC, no governor, no government can require a citizen to wear a mask. It's an infringement on freedom. It, it seems to me to be an, an immature expression of freedom because it's all about rights and ignores responsibilities, and it suggests that the foundation of freedom is to be free from any obligation to the neighbor, to the other. I can't be required to sacrifice anything for the common good. Is that America to you? Maybe. It, it, is, it is for many. But the question here is, is that Christian? I don't think so. You see, 
the day of Pentecost, it began with fearful followers locked inside. And outside, they were from Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia. But by the end of the day, these heretofore strangers called one another brothers and sisters. Pentecost suggests that God sees us as family and wants us to see ourselves that way as well. Now, in these days, some are saying that we can be cavalier about, about our situation now. I, I don't see it that way. Let me tell you how I see it. You may see it differently. That's okay. But I'll just share how it appears to me. It, it appears to me that this is not something about which we can be cavalier this virus, but this is a crisis. We are actually not too far from a day when the total number of those who die as a result of the coronavirus will double the number of Americans who died as a result of the Vietnam War. Twice as many Americans dying of COVID-19 than of a decade-long war. In my opinion, that's a crisis. But more importantly, we cannot waste this crisis. We cannot afford to waste this crisis. What is this time teaching us? What do you think? One of the things is teaching me is Zoom. I, I have earned my Zoom merit badge in the last couple of months. I hope it's not a permanent part of my future. I, I do love seeing people's faces during a video conference, but it's ultimately unsatisfying because video conferencing, both at the same time, it connects us and it accentuates our distance from one another. And I've begun to sense, as we've moved through these months, an increasing sense of weariness in others. Do you know what I mean? Maybe you are feeling it, a weariness. As we, as we recognize how it's very difficult to anticipate when we will be back to normal or even what our new normal will be. And, and I think it's this weariness that is reminding us that we actually need each other. You know, the, the voices of being independent are so strong in our culture that it is now, by some, lifted up as a virtue to refuse to sacrifice for the common good. But I think this crisis is teaching us, or at least reminding us, that we need each other, that none of us goes it alone. That's a Pentecost lesson, because Pentecost reveals that God sees us as family, and we need to see ourselves that way as well. Now, Pentecost can mislead a bit. It can, 
it can appear that it's just an experience. It just happens to us. But it's more complicated than that. Being family, being community requires work and practice. In in the early 1980s, British diplomat Victor Mishkin, he was pursuing an elusive peace in the Middle East. And, And one evening, he invited King Hussein of Jordan and the foreign minister of Israel, Shimon Peres, he invited them to come to his home for dinner. And they came and they broke bread and they shared conversation. It went well. And the king and the foreign minister got up and they were going to leave. And that's when Michigan said, oh, no, 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 you can't go yet. You guys have to do the dishes. And he put them in front of the sink and he made the king wash and the foreign minister dry. And they stood there shoulder to shoulder doing the dishes. For Michigan, that was the point of the evening, to have them share in a common purpose. To me, it's a view of Pentecost, because community is built through shared commitment. And those who claim that it is a virtue to refuse to sacrifice for the common good, they're not actually describing what it is to be free. You're just describing what it is to be alone. You know, the day of Pentecost, I crave it because it reminds us that God sees us as family and we need to see each other that way as well. And I have seen some of that Pentecostal spirit in you recently. No tongues of fire or foreign tongues, thank goodness, but I've seen this spirit in you because as soon as this crisis hit us, many of you sent us checks and said, now as much as ever, we need the church to continue to be the church. We need the mission of the church to continue to flourish. But others of you sent checks as well, but you said, I am concerned that there are those in our own family of faith who will be damaged financially by this crisis. Please use these resources to take care of those in our own family. You saw that it is both human and holy to sacrifice for the common good. Hundreds of you have been making phone calls, calling friends and perfect strangers to check in on them in these uncertain times. It's a a work for the common good. Our own mission-sowing friends. They have in the past couple of months sewn and distributed over 2,000 face masks that can be given to our neighbors that they might feel and be a little safer these days. I think that's what the spirit of Pentecost looks like. It's a sacrifice for the common good. Now, in Scripture, Pentecost was so dramatic. Rushing winds, tongues of fire, foreign tongues. But you, you just keep speaking the sacrificial language of love. But you know, these days, even if it's spoken in perfect English, it's no doubt going to sound like a foreign language to some. 
but I see the Spirit alive in you every time you see the neighbor as a brother, as a sister in the family of God. And you know, in these days, to live like that, it actually is pretty dramatic. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe, help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.